0: Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with freelance models. Today, I have Alice Antoinette on the line. Say hello, Alice. Hey there, Christy, and hello for everybody who's tuning in. I'm so excited to do this interview with you. You have no idea.
1: Aw, me too. I've been watching your podcast now. I've been listening to your podcast now for a while. I've been watching it blow up, and I'm so excited that everybody in the industry has been tuning in as well. So I think that this is a very valuable resource for everybody who is interested in hearing more about modeling and photography and everything,
0: everything industry related. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few people message me that were like curious about photography. And then after listening to the podcast, they just joined like nearby photography meetup groups and started photographing models. Yeah. So hopefully it, it gives people the confidence to pick up a camera also.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I was just, I was just chatting with another model about that a moment ago where, you know, I started up my own model photography events not too long ago and I come from being a model myself. So a lot of models were like, yay, we have another model that's running model photography events. That's wonderful. Like women power. And I'm like, well, actually we need not only more women involved, but we need more of the men involved too. Men that are wonderful and care about model safety and are willing to run events that help us uh, grow and thrive as well. So I'm thrilled to hear that a lot of people have become involved with photography, men and women, I think, you know, um, across the spectrum as people, we need to all come together to make this industry the great industry that it is.
0: True that. I I think it's finally getting to a point within our industry that it's becoming more cool to be known as an ethical event organizer. And if you run crappy events or you're just not an ethical person within the industry, it's just going to become part of your reputation.
1: Exactly right. That's very true. And it's not a good reputation to have.
0: <laughs> You'll end up yeah. losing a lot
1: of sales if you end up being the a bad event organizer versus a good one. So.
0: Totally. Also, I wanted to mention that over the course of the last few months, especially leading up to the June 2023 Muses in Wonderland event that just happened, a good handful of the people that I did have on this show were also models that were signed up for your Muses event. And so we chatted on a podcast and then we met in real life and it was so cool.
1: Oh, that's so exciting. I love when there's some cross-pollination of one thing from an industry leading over to another and et cetera. I love that the networking opportunity that comes out of my events is just, it's so strong. It's awesome. I love seeing all of the new friends that are made. And I love seeing that people can, you know, listen into your podcast and hear the ins and outs of the industry too, and meet you and get to chat with you and stuff. Because I think a lot of people look up to you and your work.
0: Oh, thank you. It means a lot coming from you. Absolutely. For the people listening who are curious about Alice, would you mind going into a history of how you got into modeling and then how your career has progressed until it led you to where you are now?
1: Yeah, totally. So I started out in upstate New York, went to college, was preached to about doing the nine to five job. So I went to college, got my degree in veterinary technology. So I have an associate's in applied science for veterinary technology and a licensure. So uh, I went and worked in that field for a year. While I was in college, though, I picked up modeling. Um, I had a friend of mine who was from my high school, nice girl, who told me like, hey, you're pretty enough to be a model, but you're not quite tall enough to do fashion is the way she put it. So she was like, you should go into nude modeling and you could get a fake name for yourself and you can do that career very successfully. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I might as well give that a try. So looking back now, I, I realize now that you can also go into commercial modeling if you're a little bit shorter, but I didn't know any better. So I, uh, I went into nude modeling. I totally love it. I wouldn't have changed it for anything. I just didn't know my options back then for modeling. I just went into nude modeling to start which I'm saying now because it leads into like what my current endeavors are. But yeah, so I started modeling, started, you know, just modeling for people, anybody who had a camera that had references and a good portfolio to back them up. And then I started out mostly. And, and while I was, uh I, I couldn't really hold a normal job on weekends. So I had a very intensive college program that I didn't want to miss my studies for. So it, modeling was perfect because I didn't have to have any crazy hours for working, didn't have to have long hours, and I got to be creative and make a lot of money all in one go. And I just was able to pick up a couple of gigs on the weekends and be able to afford my food and bills and anything else I needed. So I started out like that. And once I was working out in my selected fields for my typical nine to five, it was more like a like a seven to seven type of job or sometimes like in the midnight, you know, nursing can be. I just this career kept calling me back. It, they People were like, we really need you to come back. We really want you to model for our projects. And so it eventually got to that point where I was like, you know, I can't keep doing my patients a disservice by leaving them hanging when I'm going out doing photo shoots. So I probably need to move all my patients over to a new tech and take up modeling full time. So I ended up quitting my job going into this full time, I believe June of 2018, I want to say. And shortly after that, I ended up getting picked up by a couple of big brands at that time, I ended up being a Playboy plus uh, model on their website there. And I ended up being well known over all over the country for travel modeling. So ended up going to as many workshops as they would take me. And so yeah, I just ended up doing that for a while. And that's kind of how I got started. And it just ended up taking off and I haven't looked back since I've always been busy with work. So that's where I started.
0: That's kick-ass. So when you first got into it, you said your friend mentioned that you should get into nude modeling. Did you feel any kind of hesitation about that initially, or was it just all like, yeah, obviously I should do that?
1: Honestly, yeah. So my background growing up, I just was always kind of naked running around as a kid, and I always just thought my nudity was very natural to me. So when I was told about nude modeling, I was like, well, that sounds like something fun to try. And I thought, felt pretty confident about it going in with like a stage name to kind of keep my private life private and then my work life as a nude model separate. And I figured with my career that I had chosen at that time as a veterinary technician... Nobody would really care if they found out. It was um, one of those things like the animals don't care if are a naked right. model. So they didn't care. <laughs> they they were pretty all-inclusive of all kinds of people working in that field. So I was like, oh, I feel pretty confident going into it, it as like a side career thing to get into, to pay off little bills here and there. So Because um, being a nurse didn't pay a whole lot. So, yeah, I went into that, and it seemed pretty natural to me at first. Um, I've had a lot of people since ask me, if I felt weird at my first shoot, like in any way, or if I felt like creeped out or anything, but no, I had a, I had a great experience when I first started modeling. I felt pretty normal. I know I have an understanding though, that people usually feel pretty bashful and they take their clothes off in front of other people that they can get kind of shy, but I almost feel the opposite. I almost feel like I get that way when I'm wearing clothes. And I feel like I'm a little bit more bashful when I'm like in clothes than I am nude. I feel like I can freely express myself when I'm in the nude versus if I'm wearing clothing. So I wouldn't have changed anything. It was a great start. It was fun to do that. And I still actively nude model a lot of the time. Um, I used to model like every single day. And now I model at least a couple of times a week. Um, and I go out for tours too, here and there. So,
0: That's rad. So when you were initially getting started, how did you first find your work? Was it Model Mayhem or was it Instagram? Yeah, a lot of
1: my work initially started on Model Mayhem. I just had a Model Mayhem account exclusively for like the first two years of my career. And as time went along, more and more people kept saying, you have to have Instagram. There's no way you could be a model and not have Instagram. I'm like, what is all of this hype about? I might as well get on there. So about two, two and a half years after I started my career, I got on Instagram and uh, just started building my following from there and i found that i organically built a following pretty quickly just from working with tons of photographers daily because once you have your photograph taken and it's shared online and you're doing that every single day and they tag you and people are like oh who's this new girl then they follow you pretty quickly so that was how my initial following started and i uh started traveling a lot ever since then i we can talk about the pandemic too because i started in um you know 2018, and then my career was heavy until you know the pandemic, and then of course, there was a big shift in things with the pandemic. So, we can move yeah. on to that whenever you're ready for that.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. I was just gonna say, Wow, I didn't realize that you started your Instagram that recently. I mean, a few years is recent to me because your yeah. account yeah. did grow really quickly. Yeah, I'd say I just worked with a
1: few big name photographers. They ended up sharing my images. I, it was really a, a, a couple of things. It was mostly the workshops. So if you go to workshops, you work with lots of people all at once and they share your picture all at once. And at the time yeah. reshare accounts were huge. Like i partnered up as a business partner with implied magazine and they used to, and the reason being they used to reshare me so much and um, yeah. it got a huge following from just these reshare pages. They would always reshare the images. And I used to work with main photographers for these workshops that they would host workshops and they would take my picture and I would just kind of do a trade trade for print with them if they hosted a workshop for me and then they would post my picture and it would get a lot of traction and so I think I built myself up to 50,000 followers initially like that and then the pandemic I had about maybe 60,000 at that point and on Instagram that is and not that I care about followings because we'll get to that where we're at nowadays with these platforms but Back, oh, back man, in the yeah. day, it, it used to be a, a platform where you could post the hashtags and you'd get discovered on the discovery pages. And it seems like these sexy women really built up Instagram, like Instagram models is a thing, you know, so they really, sh- they just shout all over these people who helped build their platform up. But at that time in the pandemic, I, uh, I started traveling actually, which I don't know if I'll get a lot of hate for, but it's funny because when I was traveling during the pandemic, and people were living so vicariously through that. They were like, Oh, I want to travel. I, I I killed have her lifestyle right now. Cause I was still out shooting at these different locations around the world. And it was the middle of the pandemic and it was actually the best time to travel because nobody was traveling. So <laughs> there wasn't any chance of getting sick cause I didn't run into anyone. There was a lot of empty flights that I was on. So I understand, you know, but as a single traveler traveling by myself and there was no one else around, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, just as a, one-on-one experience. Would I have recommended everyone do that? Of course not, because then the plane would have been full. But um, I ended up just gaining more of a following as like a traveling sort of influencer at that point. I'm just traveling around all these places during the pandemic and doing all these photo shoots still. So I did that pretty heavy up until last year. And then they started lifting the mask mandates. It was actually in the airport when that happened. I was flying from San Francisco to Baltimore to get my connection to go back home. And everybody was cheering and throwing masks in the air, and I'm like, "What is going on?" As I was getting off the plane, I found out later that they lifted the mask mandate, so that was pretty cool. But sweet, um, yeah, it was it was a fun time. Um, and then ever since then, I've been working on more projects to help boost our industry. So I have a couple of things going on now, which I'll
0: talk about. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I do want to ask you about that. So when you decided to start getting more into like events and productions and more organizational things about the industry, what drove you to do that?
1: So as I had brought up before, when I first started modeling, I didn't really have a great educational base to go off of. Like when I was a little kid, my parents would always say like, before you get a hamster, you need to read up on how to take care of it and all this. And I went to college. And so when I went to college, I initially was like, oh yeah, I need to learn about my job before I go do it. So as a model, I kind of went in blind. I didn't really have an, I didn't have any, I I shouldn't say really, I really didn't have a network um, of anyone to talk to about what this career entailed. And I was so um, bashful at the time. I was embarrassed to talk to someone that, that would be more experienced than me because all these traveling models are busy and they're doing their own thing. And they're not really advertising that they want to have mentorship calls or anything like that to be able to help. So I would hear about these big name models from these photographers. I'm like, wow, I hope I'm like her one day, but I didn't know I could actually talk to her. So I went in and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I felt like a lot of the work that I got when I first started, uh, didn't really pay me what I was appropriately owed. And I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Like, how is a new model to know what explicit boundaries she, she's supposed to set for herself? Cause a, a, you just go from photographer to photographer based on what they are telling you. So one guy might say, yeah, like, this is a great shoot. We're having a great time making great content. And another guy might say, oh, you need to like open your legs for me to shoot you. And then I will get you more opportunities like that. And they pressure the models to go further than they would normally do. So then they get more opportunities or something. So I noticed that there's this, this disconnect with newer models, being able to get into the industry in a professional way where they have a baseline for how the industry should be perceived. So I don't know if this is all making sense. Um, it, it's, no, it it's, is. It's a lot to. It's a lot. You know, um, I. I just want now a resource where the newer models can come in and go. Oh, there's somebody to learn from. We can get a heads up how this industry is because I never thought I could be a model. I didn't think I was tall enough. So I thought I would be lucky enough in high school. Like if I thought, oh, maybe I'll go into editing or something, like I'll edit magazine covers or something. I never thought that I could be a model because I felt like I was too short. And I feel like maybe I'm not exactly conventionally pretty. I have, I I don't have like cute button nose or any of that stuff. Like I, I have you know, features that are very unique to me. So I was like, well, maybe I don't have this industry standard modeling. And when I thought of modeling, I thought of either like Playboy, Playmate, Glamour cover model, or I thought like high fashion model on runway. I didn't think about just being able to take up photo shoots from people who just want to create something wonderful either for their own projects or for galleries or for sale online or even some of these other commercial projects that I mentioned earlier that I could have been a part of. So, And I'm actually kind of dipping my toes into now is like more mainstream commercial modeling too, which I'm doing as a freelancer, which is also interesting in new territory. So I advocate for the freelance models. I want them to get into the industry knowing what they're getting into without wondering where their lines should be for what their tolerance level is for the amount of explicitly that they put out there, the level of tolerance that they have for what kind of clients that they want to take up on, um, how much travel they should be doing, how much self care they should be taking on. You know, like they, they, there's no real set baseline that's mainstream enough for these newer models to access. So full story around, I want to provide educational opportunities, networking opportunities, online opportunities for people to come together as well and then i i want to provide them work opportunities through things like the events so i now not only offer my modeling services but i've started uh, selling courses and now through my course brand i want to start to modify that to include other course creators because there are i don't i don't want to be the sole responsible person for that i i can't there's no way that i can alone do this thing. I have to have the industry help me and back this up as well. It has to be a community effort in order for the community to come together to bring in more aspiring models and photographers to be a part of the industry. So I've started to invite on more instructors as well. So I hope that the school ends up being a more mainstream platform where newer models can find information about our industry and not this outdated industry information that's on Google. Because I feel like our industry is very exclusive, that people perceive it as they don't think that they can just get involved, and you you can. It, it's not it's not so hard to get involved, but people don't know where to start. So I I want to provide a resource where people know how to get involved and how to get involved safely and how to get involved in a way where it's productive for them and they don't feel like their time is being wasted and that they monetarily gain as well you know the goal is to build towards a comfortable life and retirement and everything so i want to help every freelancer to be able to do that
0: that's really awesome and as i'm listening to to everything that you just said i was just thinking that there occasionally have been other models that i know of that they'll make a blog about modeling advice but the problem has been that just getting the word out there. Exactly. It's just if only if only one model has it on their their Tumblr blog or something. It's just it's not easily accessible. Like models that are just getting into modeling wouldn't know about that blog unless they were friends on Facebook with that model. And it, so having something that can be marketed and brought across the internet, like with multiple different people being a part of it, is a good way to get that information out there.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited that our industry, more than ever before, the models are helping each other. We, You've been a part of this group chat now that originally started out as my event chat for the Muses in Wonderland 2023 in New York. And it just, the model, I love how the models all started helping each other. So like, how about I turn this into a safety chat and advice chat and I just make a separate chat for the events. And that chat grew to such an extent. And I loved how the models all started helping each other. And so the energy is there. The drive from the models and photographers to all come together to help build this industry up is stronger than it ever has been before. And thank God, because I feel like we are now on the cusp, especially in the glamour model industry or the nude model industry, or even the art nude model industry, where ever since Hefner died from, you know, the whole Playboy legacy has had a huge impact since his death. So I noticed a big shift when I got hired by them in August of 2018, and he had passed away in 2017 in November. And from that point, I, from my understanding, the company went to his daughter who she made it a people's magazine. It was non-nude. It was supposed to be lifestyle oriented. They lost a bunch of sales and then she passed it on to her brother Cooper and now he made it back to this nude type of company. And at the time when I got hired, it was there was just a lot of juggling around. They didn't know what to really do with it. And now from my understanding, the magazine has been disbanded and they're doing their centerfold online. Uh, it's almost like a com- competition with OnlyFans in a way. And it's like, when I was hired by photographers back in the day, they hired me on the premise most of the time, like, oh, I have a chance at becoming something bigger. By submitting you to these big companies like Playboy, because I have the yeah. opportunity to get to be a big time photographer if I get you published there. But now these big companies have kind of fallen apart. So now it's like, and with social media. So Instagram has ousted a lot of us. So back to what I was saying earlier, I grew my following on Instagram back in the day, but now I see these newer models who are just absolutely struggling to, to make a following for themselves. And if, if I were to restart, I don't think I could get the reach that I did before because it's just not the same as it used to be. And yeah. so, you know, we're all at this point now where we don't have A real good reason for shooting. We don't have a reason for, you know, none of these photographers are able to get in a major publication. None of the models are able to get in a major publication. Nobody is able to get the community to see their work, even your work. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I never see your work pop up and I try to interact with it and comment and share it and like it and and save it as much as I see it pop up. But I still have to continue to go to your page directly to be able to see your content because you're shadow banned.
0: So I'm so shadow banned. (laughs) I hate it
1: for you. I'm so sorry. But that's the thing. So, you know, I don't mean to be this, this one long sentence of like all of this, because i'm sure that you feel it as well but our industry is seeing a major just upsetting push towards being excluded from the rest of the world and that's very dangerous for us i think i think that it would alienate our industry to a point where it becomes so so alienated from everything else that we become we we become inaccessible for people who want to be, become a part and the amount of shisty behavior has also increased ever since these sort of exclusions have started happening. So photographers know no they they've we've we've started to get some really crazy requests in the last few years now ever since this social media has not allowed us to be able to express ourselves in a normal way. They're like, "Oh, well, now what other ways can I create that are interesting and will get me on some other platform?" So basically to tie that all around we're experiencing now in our industry and i think you would agree more than ever that we are excluded we are not heard we are not seen and so many of these people are only shooting to be recognized for something and so what happens when that recognition is not expressed they're just shooting for themselves which is fine we'll get some shooters like that but but at the end of the day most of the people that are involved in our industry will lose their drive to do so if they are not recognized for their work and they should be recognized for their work. And, uh, and if anything, they should be monetizing off of their work as well. So, you know, I, I think that we need more resources where we can come together as an industry to be able to provide these opportunities for people to be seen and to be heard and to be, and to express themselves.
0: Yeah, I agree. And where there's a will, there's a way, you know, platforms come and go. So I know that you're highly involved in Implied VIP, which I am enjoying posting my artsy photos on. By the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. You know, my my business partner Tony has brought my to my attention that he was starting this Implied VIP platform before we even were able to figure out a name for it and everything. And he originally t- asked me to be a beta tester for it because. We had been a part of other platforms before that usually like a rich doctor or dentist or something would start up. And they it never lasted because it was people that didn't know what they were doing. They didn't understand our industry. So how would they know to be able to make a platform that was structured around our needs? So... I was like this is a great idea. I looked at what he had going on and I'm like this this is this is a great layout. I think people will really get down with this. I'd actually like to become an investor, not just a beta tester. So I've now been an investor with them and helping sculpt the online presence for implied for the last year and a half or so, and we ended up officially launching the platform in February. So I mean, I I really give all the credits to Tony for constructing the website, getting the uh, billing figured out for how people will get paid from it, just being able to get the investors together, everything. You know, I'm here as an investor. I help push it. I help with the marketing. He's been the mastermind behind putting the website together. So again, back to, you know, we need more, not only women, but men as well, who are contributing to the growth of our industry and to helping us continued to to thrive together as a whole. So I've loved the work that Tony brought forth. Um, and so he owns Implied Magazine, that uh, Instagram that was a reshare page at one time. And his passion for making this website has come from not being able to use his Instagram page at all. He's, a, he's worried yeah. he's going to lose these 600,000 followers he's built on the Implied Magazine Instagram page. So I don't blame him. And it's been wonderful to see that a big network has come together through Implied. And I hope that it is a platform that sticks around for a long time because, I mean, we've already hit over 10,000 users. We, We try to be as transparent with people whenever it comes to updates and any kind of bug issues that we run into that we have to fix. And people are very understanding when they just have clear communication brought forth to them. So, you know, as long as you just... Same thing with my events. I just try to let people know like, hey, I'm just doing the best I can here, you know, and they seem very understanding when you just remain real with people about the efforts that you're doing. So Implied's been going well. I started my events. That's my sole project that I've been doing now. I started the company at the end of 2021. Yeah, and I ran my first event in June of 2022. It took a long time to get it set up and to um, make sure that it was running appropriately for not only safety and and creative purposes, but for tax purposes as well. And um, that event has been running now for two years. We're about to run our second event here, our our third event, sorry. We just successfully finished up our second event, which you attended, and I I hope you had a great time at. (laughs) I did. uh, Yeah. And uh, we're about to run our now third event out in Las Vegas at a mansion out there. So it'll be a little bit of a different vibe, a little bit different scene, but we're hoping to pull in some more interest from the West Coast. So I hope it uh, goes well as well. And we'll be running our events at our home front in New York at our about 10 acre property there every year, first weekend of June, roughly just for the weather. And I I just love it. I love seeing the creativity and the inspiration that people pull from the event and the network and the friends that are made at the event. It's just so cute. I thought I was going to make this event thinking that models would be just running around, grabbing their money, not really caring about the photo shoots, because that's how a lot of these other events run. They just, a lot of of questionable (laughs) photographers go and they hire these models to run around naked and that's pretty much all it is. But my events, I'm just so thrilled to see... The models really get down with creating something extravagant and extraordinary, and they create memories through the event. And I think that is just so sweet. And I, I, <laughs> I'm just thrilled the way that it's turned out. And so I hope the same thing for all these other startups that I've become a part of now, like Implied and with Moxie Models Masterclass. I, I, that is such a new project, and I'm so excited to see where it is even by next year. So that's where I'm at with all that. And then on top of it, you know, I have photography on the side that I like to do. I have a photo shoot planned for tomorrow with a nice model out on the beach. And I do my modeling too. So I still tour, you know, to remain active in the industry. So
0: that's where I'm at. (laughs) That's awesome. I just think it's so impressive the amount of drive that you have to do your modeling, do your touring, and then also like manage... These things. However, I would like to highlight that as a freelance traveling nude model, I understand that you're also subject to the same people that the rest of us are subjected to when it comes to experiencing photo shoots. And I have this part of my podcast called the Photo Shoot Fail of the Week. Would you be able to tell a story where something happened at a photo shoot that was just wild, memorable? crazy, whether it was because the photographer themselves was nuts or... (laughs) <laughs> or the shoot situation around the shoot was out of line like what what's one of your stories? I've got so many stories, but you can tell to, more than one if you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if I were to pick more the if I were to pick one, I think I'll pick something from the beginning of my career cuz I don't even think the guy follows me anymore. It was so long ago and he I don't know. So it was when I first started out, I got picked out by this model mayhem photographer. I don't even remember if he had any references at the time. It was it was uh, some guy from over the pond somewhere. He was visiting New York City and he was like, hey, I want to do a photo shoot with you in my bikini brand. And I, I'm visiting Rochester, which is kind of where I started out in the city of Rochester, New York. Um, so he was coming in from New York City to there and he was like, uh, I'm going to be there for a few days. So this photo shoot is very chop, chop, time, con- you know, it's on a time crunch. We've got to have this out. We're paying $100 for this shoot. It was like it was supposed to be a two-hour shoot for $100. And I thought, well, if I'm just modeling a bikini, it's not so bad. It was probably my 10th photo shoot. I don't know. So I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. And so I met up with him at the park there. In Rochester, we have this huge waterfall in the center of the city there. And a lot of people go down there to go fishing. So he had in his mind that we would go down to the waterfall. So it was like a little hike down there to the bottom of the waterfall and that we would go like, I don't know, I don't remember if it was standing in front of the waterfall, like for the waterfall effect, or if I was going to be acting like I was fishing or something. But that's what we were going to go do. So we went, trekked down there, went to the waterfall. He gave me this bikini. It looked like something you'd put on a toddler. I mean, it was just this weird looking, like, frumpy, I don't know, it was not fitting me in in a womanly, poised, very elegant way at all. It was very childish looking. And I was like, wow, this is an awful bikini. It's probably the worst I've ever seen, to be honest. And um, <laughs> you would think if you were coming out to showcase some bikinis, you'd probably have your models wear more than one, you know, or something. But um, now that I think about it, I think it was like for a, a fishing. Calendar or something to promote his bikinis or something weird like that. So, I do think it was sort of surrounded around the fishing aspect. So, he brought his fishing pole and he was like, I'm going to catch a fish and then I'm going to give it to you and act like you caught it. So, the photographer went out fishing and he was, you know, it was supposed to be a two hour long shoot, but it ended up being six hours of this guy not catching anything. He just was out there fishing, not catching anything. I'm you know, just kind of doing my own thing, walking around, enjoying the scenery. Like, I don't know what to do at that point. You know, and I'm thinking, man, this is definitely not worth a hundred dollars after all. So, but what was I going to do? You know, just leave. I don't know. He was trying his best. So he comes up to me and he's like, I'm just going to get one of these fish from one of the locals and we're going to act like we caught it. And it was funny because he wanted me to film him while he was catching the fish, which I don't get because I was supposed to catch the fish. But, um, He ended up having to fake that. So he like took the fishing pole from one of the guys and he was like acting like he caught the fish and we caught that on camera, whatever. So (laughs) he ended up, you know, bringing over this big fish. I don't remember what kind of fish it was. I think it was one of those like big rainbow trout things. It was like probably at least, you know, 50 pounds or something. Holy shit. It could have weighed as much as me. I don't know. It was a big fish. And he had it on this little tiny line. And he was like, okay, pose there like you just caught it. Like you're happy that you just caught this big fish. And it's like half dead. It's flopping around a little bit. And I'm sitting, you know, I'm just doing my little fake smile. Like, oh, I just caught this big fish. And the fish is flopping around, hits me in the leg. I fall down. The fish ends up dragging me through the creek a little bit, you know. And here I am getting dragged by this big fish through the creek. And the photographer's still snapping away, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a... What a shit show this turned into! Uh, like what a disaster! So the photographer said, "Oh, I think we got what we need." You know, thank God the shoot didn't end up being too long in itself because the fishing line was cutting into my hand because of the weight of the fish and everything. And then, oh my God, it was a big fish. The poor thing! I, I just wanted to let him go, let him be free. <laughs> poor thing! And so he. Um, he was like, yeah, I mean, don't worry about how you look in these. I, I, I'm i going to Photoshop you anyway. I'm going to make sure you have big boobs and big butt and the whole, the whole thing. And I was like, that's like the most offensive thing. God, you know, here I am. I just put in all this effort and, you know, models always take care of their bodies, you know, to look a certain way. And here he was, and he was like, I'm just going to make your boobs into these triple Ds. And Everything and I'm like, man, I, this was not worth sitting out here for six hours for a hundred dollars. Oh my god, this fish dragged me down the creek, and then just for you to say you're gonna photoshop the whole dang picture
0: anyway. Oh my god, that what the fuck? Bad I'm bad. just visualizing <laughs> a picture of Alice, Alice with giant tits <laughs> and a giant being dragged by a huge salmon, like in a river. What the fuck? I know. It was such a
1: mess. Uh, that was one of my funny shoots that I had. Uh, but I do want to pay one ode to a photographer that it's, it's not really a tragic story. It's just a funny story that I think a lot of models in the industry can relate to it was old man Larry always came to these events. I don't know if you've ever met Larry. He,
0: I know Larry. he brought
1: his flowers and his towel with him. Do you know who I'm talking about?
0: you know okay so there's a couple larrys is it lawyer larry or lawyer larry. is it the other okay yeah no, i know okay lawyer i was thinking of a different la- larry but yes i know lawyer larry with the flowers in the towel. yes that one
1: <laughs> and yeah there are larrys a very popular name i've i've had quite a few photographer larrys myself in my career but But yeah, Larry with the flowers and the towel. So if if you're just tuning into this podcast for the first time, Larry is a very well-known photographer who would go to all of these events and he would always bring his rainbow towel and a a brand new bouquet of flowers. And it always put the models off because he's, he was kind of like a creepy looking guy a little bit. Uh, He, it was very weird that he brought flowers in this towel. He always had this infatuation with his towel and I didn't take him for a fool though. I, I didn't treat him like he was any lesser just because he had this weird fatuation with his towel and flowers. And instead of treating him bad, I would always say like, Larry, thank you for bringing your flowers. You know, nobody ever brings me fresh flowers. I, I think that's really nice of you to do. And thank you for bringing your towel, Larry. I love seeing the colors of it. It always makes my day to see the bright, cheery colors of your towel. And it keeps me comfortable when I'm sitting at a photo shoot and I'm just sitting on the ground or something. I'd rather rather sit on your towel. Thanks for bringing your towel to help me feel more comfortable. And he went from being this crotchety old man to being like this beaming, happy person when he would work with me. And so Larry worked with me at all these events for years. And I even went out to California where he lived and worked with him one-on-one. And even though he would always make you do the most dangerous shit, just because he was hiring you to do it, like, one time he had me modeling on a log pile, like a like a lumberjack with the with the axe and everything. <laughs> and the logs weren't stacked or anything. So I was worried I was going to slip and fall and hurt myself. And he had me modeling in this really, really cold mountain creek. And I was like, Larry, this is hurting my bones. Like, this is so cold. He's like, you'll just get over it. Oh my God. He <laughs> yeah. was like the worst. And he, he had me posing on a ladder in a studio that was like a one of those rolling ladders. And he had like a, it was like a series of different fabrics and his towel. And he had me like, lassoing them in the air and the, the, the ladder would move. And I was, and he would always want you to smile too. It was like smiling through the pain, you know, and he, and the photos never came out well. It was always photos of, you know, you may have been in the picture. You might be blurry. You might be in focus, you know, they are all terrible, but, um, you know, I, I just wanted to pay a little ode to Larry because I think that he is no longer around. He came out to my last event and, that was back in June of 2022 and nobody's really seen or heard from him since. And a lot of the community has tried to call him and see if he's around or anything. And we haven't really heard from Larry and his phone's been disconnected. So with as passionate Um. as he was for the industry, I feel like he may have passed on. So I just wanted to pay a little tribute to Larry because I wanted to put a note in there to the models. Like not every photo shoot you do is going to be super fun, you know, (laughs) but, um, if you look at the positive side of things, if, you know, if everything's going as it should, like the photographer is respecting you and the and the shoot is good and, and safe, in other words, like if you learn to treat everyone with respect, no matter how weird their little requests may be, it might actually end up being fun. Um with his, you know, even the weird, dangerous things Larry would tell me to do. I did, I did tell him I was appreciative for the towel and the flowers. And it it was just nice to see him happy for that little bit of time that he was around for, because it ended up not lasting forever. I worked with him maybe four or five years and now he's no longer in the industry. So, you know, I try to make I try to make everyone's experiences worthwhile as long as they're respectful of my time and my space and my energy and they pay me appropriately, you know, and so I need to pay a little tribute to that.
0: (laughs) I have a couple more questions for you. One, I just thought of, because you're describing these situations with the fish and like with Larry and his goofy towel and stuff, there is definitely like a silliness to a lot of freelance modeling that I can see that you really enjoy like participating in because it gives you this, this chance to like play a part and like kind of be goofy when photographers want you to be goofy. And then on the flip side, though, on the opposite spectrum, you have these events where you have to be really organized and dedicated and have your shit together and be serious about it. Do you find that it's challenging to wear both hats at the same time in your life? I love
1: that you just came up with that question because that is so authentic of you. That is a very valid question to ask. And with my response to that, is. When I first started modeling, I was labeled as very stoic. I was actually so professional that they were worried about like me being more open and creative and everything. I used to just do this for the income. I used to only care about the money. I would show up only to just get naked and have my picture taken, and I would do my part. I would look like what people were looking for, but I was just doing it for them and not for myself and i was you know making money off of it and i started going to these more like the events that go and travel around the world type of thing in the pandemic so when i was in that sort of era the the era of like traveling around pandemic and stuff i was doing more trade stuff at that time because i enjoyed the people that i was traveling with so much and i got so much value out of the content that i was receiving from doing those trade that i started to realize the value in connecting with people and with being more than just business, 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 I started to enjoy the creative process of it. So it's funny you mentioned that because I did not start out creatively. I started out more like with that sort of nursing mentality of like, and doctor mentality of like, you know, everything has to be done super appropriately and to the T and it has to be super professional. And it kept me safe in the beginning of my career. But as my career grew, I became more creative myself. And now that I've started to become more creative, when I opened up Muses in Wonderland, I expected it to almost be the same mentality as when I first started out where models would just be running around naked and collecting their money from guys who are kind of weird and questionable and, you know, being more like a lot of the other events I had been to where it was just paid events, but it turned into something so much more it turned into models who enjoyed networking with other models and photographers and with the photographers also enjoying that process. And with people being so creative in ways that I would have never even thought of. And with them making lasting friendships for years afterward, there's still models who avidly talk to one another, even though the last event was um, a year and a half ago. And I would love to think that that is a reflection of myself in a way where I was like, wow, this is something that I've created where people are now manifesting the energy that I'm putting into this event. And it's it's a testament to my growth. So not only can I be business-like, <laughs> I can also be that happy-go-lucky person that people enjoy talking to and not just the stoic standoffish type of person where I just get stuff done. So I would like to think that I started out creative, but I definitely didn't. And I still struggle with creativity to a point. But I like the way that I am evolving as a person to include more creativity into my shoots. And now my rates reflected, of course, I now am not able to, I'm now, I do everything. I, I not only construct my tours to be professional and I show up and do my work, but I also tell the photographers, hey, I'm not just here to do, my two-hour timestamp and leave. I care about the creativity that we put into this photo shoot and what product you get out of it. And so now it's not just a money grab for me. It's, it's about so much more. It's about connecting with each person that I meet and also creating a product, the, the image and the videos that, that pr- are produced from the production itself that are meaningful and that actually hold tangible memories instead of just a fabricated image.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I could tell like through the way that you're describing it that you do like connect pe- with people through the act of the photo shoot. And I think that's one thing, an element of freelance modeling that allows models to do it for longevity. They have to enjoy the act of doing the photo shoot enough to where they actually care that the photographers are having a good time and getting good photos. Exactly. <laughs> I've got one more question. This is one that I ask everybody. I call it the rising Phoenix era of your life. Can you describe something in your life, whether it's related to your modeling or not, where you were faced with some kind of a challenge that you had to overcome?
1: Yes. And it it kind of ties back into what I was just describing as well. So the, the reason, not only what I just described as far as my professionalism's growth, but so I had my professionalism and business growth, but my personal development as well. The reason that I am so incredibly passionate about education and network and just the industry growing forth in general to a new and elevated level and thriving and, and surviving and everything is because this industry has saved me from so much emotional torment. I've went through a lot growing up. My parents did a great job as much as they possibly could do, but Evil people can come in at unexpected times. And so my parents were very trusting people. They've allowed me to be with people when I was younger that I probably shouldn't have been around. So I've went through a lot of assaults in my life. I've went through a lot of sexual exploitation and no fault of my parents. They did a wonderful job. It's just sometimes, you know, especially coming into your teenage years and you're in high school and you're out doing more things and you're getting away from your parents more, you might end up in situations that are not in the best interest for you and your personal growth. So I've went through a lot of tragic things right before going into college. And when I got into college, I had dedicated myself to growing past all of that stuff because I had went through the court systems and I I went through endless amounts of like counselors and therapists and people who were like, you're never going to be right. You're never going to be of sane and sound mind where you're going to function normally as a person in society you're always going to have to deal with these traumas and i hated that because i i did not bring these traumas upon myself it were just it was just things that happened to me because i was a minor and i couldn't help the situations that i was put in you know again no fault to my parents they they did their very best but sometimes things just slip through the cracks so i went into college thinking i'm i'm going to grow past this stuff and truth be told, I don't think that I would have been able to figure out my emotions and feelings without this industry because for a while there, I really hated men. I think I thought men were terrible. I, I, I actually thought when I first, when it was first introduced to me, this idea of going to photo shoots and modeling nude in front of men for money, I thought that was just that was just hilarious. I thought the irony of that, like just to go and be photographed nude in front of these men and they're not allowed to touch me or bother me or anything like that. And that's probably what led to a lot of my stoic tendencies when I first started was I did not know how to properly interact with a normal human being, whether it be a woman or a man. I just didn't have a good basis to go off of for that. And when I started out, I kept thinking to myself, man, one of these men, if they try me, I will fuck them up. I had so much hate in my heart where I felt like at one of these photo shoots, I was just going to, I was just waiting for someone to come at me. I was waiting for someone to assault me. And I was, I was just, I was going to get back at them, but it never happened. And it was just a beautiful thing because I didn't really go searching that out. I did my reference checks and my background checks and everything, but I was just waiting for myself to be wrong. And I never was, thank God. I've known people to go to photo shoots and they get assaulted. And it's the worst feeling for me to hear because I was sculpted into a better person by people who admired me for not only my beauty, but for my character as well. And they saw the potential that I had as a young person for what I could bring forth into the world. And it was the best thing. I'm like, wow, this is so awesome. This not only creative industry, but these people really care about my success and seeing what I grow into. And it's pushed me to do more, not only for myself, because now I feel like over the last few years, just constantly being surrounded by love and care and an industry of of people who genuinely want me to thrive and succeed. Now I feel healthy enough to be able to help people achieve the same sort of sane peace of mind to be able to achieve peace and freedom through creating and networking with other like-minded individuals where a nine to five job would have never been able to get me because I was I, the career I had picked, unfortunately, was very depressing. <laughs> People never bring their pets in because they want them to have like a play day at the vet's office. You know, I was right. assisting with all kinds of medical procedures that animals are not happy to have done. And, you know, and a lot of it was very traumatic to see, especially because a lot of procedures that we do on animals are not legalized for humans. So there's a lot of things that we deal with, like abortions and euthanasia and things like even ear croppings, you know, and, and tail dockings and stuff. Those are all very controversial topics, but they do exist in the veterinary world. So those are all, you know, those are all things I've had to witness. And it's hard. It's hard to to watch that stuff for yourself in real time. And you're just doing your job. And so I love with this career, not only have I been able to grow past my traumas and network and meet new friends, but I've been able to be in a creative atmosphere that is uplifting and it's not depressing. So when I hear models go through things like assault, because they didn't know how to even background check for photographers when they first started out, because it's it's as easy as making a model mayhem profile. And then you just meet up with one of these guys who says they're a photographer from off the internet and yeah. they may not know what to look for in order to stay safe. So I, I made this whole safety PDF that I'm having, like I host it through my website and everything where I'm like, if anybody hears about me, they have. They, it's like download that, look at it because it's just so important to know how to book your, your gigs to stay safe because I, I couldn't imagine going into this industry And having that as my first experience, because I would have no hope left in the world if that happened to me when I first started. So I'm doing everything I can in my power to make sure that these newer models have a sound and safe start to their careers and they have every chance that they can to heal. So I feel like most, I I haven't really ever met a model that's just from a normal and very regular background. Most every model I've met, and I've met a lot of models where they've just, they've been through shit And they're just trying to, they're trying to find that creative escape from it. And I want more models to know that there isn't a creative escape. It's a creative healing process and that it is possible to achieve freedom, not only like financially and all this, but with your business, but also within yourself and to be able to find who you are as a person through this career.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing that you went through so much of that awful experience earlier in your life. But I think that it does share with other freelance models and just anybody listening to this podcast that even if something like that happens, you can have the power to transcend through that pain through something creative like modeling
1: absolutely and i i want them all to know that not every photographer is a pervert you know like there's wonderful creative photographers out there that are wonderful and and just amazing to work with i do this almost daily there's photographers i work with almost on a daily basis and i love my job i i don't have bad shoots you know it's just all about your background checks and making sure the people that you work with are at least legitimate photographers and not just some Joe Schmo off the street for number one. Right. Because of course you'd be (laughs) setting yourself up for failure if you just met up with a random Joe Schmo. I make sure everybody that I work with has worked with a number of model references that I actually speak to and that their portfolios are updated because a lot of the time, if you just are looking at a portfolio and there's no model references attached to it, it could mean that the photographs are stolen or it could mean that they worked at the models so long ago that they went into hiding for a reason. So there's been photographers that I've worked with before on accident where they went into hiding for a long time, but they had a portfolio to show me because the industry was looking to oust them and, and to say like, this guy is a piece of shit. But uh, and, and they just went into hiding instead, so people forgot about them. And then when they returned, nobody knew who they were, but they had a portfolio. So I always urge models to check with current model references and to check for an updated portfolio where they can also reference check with those models that are directly linked in the portfolios. And that's how I do my background checks.
0: That's really great. And really great to hear that you have a good system for getting references checked as some photographers get annoyed when you are asking about references. But I honestly, that that's a red flag if they're annoyed about getting references. I just won't work with those people. No, absolutely. That is <laughs> a
1: conversation for me. If you are annoyed that I'm asking for references, I'm already annoyed if they're not already in your portfolio with the photos. If I'm just looking at a, a portfolio when I don't know who the model is in the picture, I don't want to have to ask who she is. And if you just give me a random phone number or an email and you say it's her, how do I really know that's her and not your sister Susie?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. People can be sneaky about that stuff. Exactly. So just as an observation, listening to your story, listening to your backstory and then how you've kind of developed as a person through the course of your modeling and then becoming like the entrepreneur within the modeling, do you find that like the sense of control that you have through running your own events and then making the Moxie Models Masterclass and becoming like heavily involved within the industry, do you find that there you may be motivated to do that partly as a way to gain power of, of yourself and your autonomy with your body and then with the people that are surrounding you as a result of, you know, past trauma? That's actually a fantastic
1: question because a lot of people may wonder that. And actually I have a huge problem with being the center of attention. I just have learned through modeling specifically because you're the center of attention in photographs that it is okay to to have attention on you instead of, because I've been through assault. So to have attention on me has always been a negative thing. I rather just clam up. And in high school, uh, I used to just wear loads of jackets on top of me to kind of hide from everyone. So the process of modeling itself has freed me from feeling like I have to trap myself in clothing. Now, with the businesses, as far as running them as a way of control, the reason that I run the events and things is because I have seen that with other event runners. It started out with the events for me. That was really the first project that I started working on. I had went to many events where I felt like the event runners got so full of themselves that they were so in their own world and they loved the clout that they got from all of the photographers looking up to them and all this. Usually they were photographer event runners that they just reveled in it and they forgot about everyone else along the way. They just were so self-centered and in their own control. And actually, I, i'm I'm so meek and and I'm introverted. I'd rather not go out to parties and put myself out there and and everything. I've just learned to do so because I feel like ever since Muses of Wonderland started my events, and from just seeing how it's been able to help other people grow, I feel this innate sense, and I might be coming from nursing too, where I just care about helping other things. I feel this innate sense of responsibility to bring forth opportunities for people since I'm able to do so. Because I feel like I have the security to back me up. I, I don't feel like anyone can fuck with me. Like, I, I don't feel like any of these shitty photographers can come and ruin my life if I oust them or I end up out-competing their business with, you know, I'm not afraid to stick up for myself and to help these models who feel like they don't have a voice. So I feel like in a way... I actually hate these people who, who go into these events for control. It's actually to help combat that. It's more because I feel like I have this responsibility because I have this ability. I have a network. I have people who back me up and I know what it's like to start from, from square one where I didn't know anyone. I remember the first model I ever met was two years into my career. And for the first two years of my career, I had nobody because I started in 2016 and I didn't really start blowing up until 2018. And there was a lot of information I could have gathered right off the start of my career if I had just known someone. So I'm trying to, with my businesses, and that's why I'm opening up Moxie Models as an academy, because if I wanted to be this person who wanted to regain control, I wouldn't allow people in. I wouldn't allow for like I have, a, I have an army behind me with muses. I have several staff photographers. I have models who always offer to come be headliners for the event that really get behind what I'm doing. I don't have to pay them to come. I, with implied, I, I have to. I hope to God my business partner stays on the same terms as me throughout the longevity of implied because that's one thing that you really put out there is when you start to collaborate with other people. They could have different outcomes for what they think with the longevity of their business. Like I I don't really, really know if my business partner has the best interest of all the users in mind, but at this point in time, I do believe so. So I'm, I'm willing to get behind that now. And so with Moxie Models, same thing. I'm now opening that up for instructors now that I've set the standard for, hey, this is what you can do. Here's an example to anyone else who wants to come in I think as a community, we are stronger than just one singular person who is seeking control to be able to make a lasting industry where people can grow. Like now I feel like with this industry, I have grown past that sense of needing control. I now feel like everything's cool. Like I don't feel like I need to prove anything to myself or anyone else. I'm, I'm at peace. Nothing bothers me anymore. I just do my thing. And I'm here just trying to help everyone else try to achieve that point because I've seen so many people who have trauma and they have trauma responses like flashbacks and panic attacks. And I was told by my therapists that I could never outgrow that. That was always going to be something that haunted me for my whole life. And after it came out and I was in high school and I started getting treated like a caged animal that had just been rescued or something, I never wanted that. I just wanted to be treated normally. So- I want to, and I know what is normal, you know, but I always wanted to feel normal. And I've had to come to terms with, I am not normal. I I seem to be this person that people look up to. But instead of fighting that, instead of fighting the nudity and fighting the people wanting me to go out and express myself creatively and everything, I just rather embrace it. And I've found by embracing what society has pushed me forth to, to do as far as modeling goes, you know, my, my peers and everything in high school pushed me into more of like the nine to five, but society has deemed me as this hot person, you know, like my body's hot and, and everything and they pushed me into modeling. But now that I have such traction over the industry... Now that I I know that I have power in the industry, I don't want to abuse that. I don't want to let down, like, to be honest, I, I don't want to put you on a pedestal because I don't like when I'm put on a pedestal, but you are someone who I've looked up to because I heard about your work through so many photographers I worked with when I first started. And I know how important that is to uphold such a such a role model standard for myself, for people looking up to me, because I've met my heroes and most everyone's let me down, except you, thank God. But like, I, well, everyone has seemed to let me down. They're always going through their own growth journey and they're not ready yet. And it's like, I've had to take a step back at that and go, they're just people too. So I hold my position in a way where I respect myself and I respect those who look up to me and I don't want anyone to be let down by meeting Alice and learning that Alice is a bitch. I want them to know that I'm there for them, you know? I don't want them to think that I'm I'm just here for myself.
0: The sense that I'm getting through everything that you just described as far as answering my question of whether you feel like you need to be in control as a trauma response, what I, the sense that I'm getting is that you are uh, within your motherly instinct of trying to like help people. You're not you're not controlling out of a a trauma response, but you are enacting what what seems to be your maternal role in the world.
1: I believe so. It was the biggest turning point for me in my process of growing as a model is. Once those traveling gigs kind of came to a close for me once the pandemic ended, and this is where, you know, this is a good wrapping topic here, is I came home from living overseas for nine months. I lived in all of these countries, and I was out doing gigs out there and touring. And when I came back to the States, everyone seemed to have put me on this pedestal. It was wild, and I didn't want that. And so I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome, and I had learned about it at that time. Thank God I could have something to relate to where... I felt like I did not deserve the position of power that society, our our community had deemed onto me because I had went out and traveled the world and I was able to get gigs everywhere and I was starting my model photography event and I was starting courses and this, this, this. And it's just all stuff that's happened organically for me, but people were over-celebrating it. And to me, it's just something I have to do. It's something normal for me. So I had to think about how to handle that. And so actually back when I first started my, I had my first event. It was, I think, May of 2022. I shut down my entire Instagram account. I deleted everything. I wiped myself off the face of the planet for a minute. And I just went back to my old ice cream job that I had when I was in high school, because my boss is still (laughs) happy to have me. And I I had to take a step back and reflect and think, is this what I want? You know, because I had all of this. I didn't feel like, I came back from overseas and I went on a couple of workshops when I came back and Everyone put me on this pedestal where I felt like it was almost too dangerous for me. Like where celebrities feel like they're 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 like trying to get through the street with their hand over their eyes, trying to just get from point A to point B because the photographers ended up getting so squirrely. They they didn't know how to address me. They didn't know how to speak to me anymore. They it, it was almost too dangerous for me to feel like I could go to a workshop in a safe environment where I wasn't going to feel like they they just didn't know how to to handle it. Like so, like They didn't know how to communicate with me if I needed to adjust something for that workshop. It used to be like, hey, I don't like how that handkerchief is adjusted in your back pocket. Can you move it for me? It, they just started lunging at me to, to do this because they didn't feel like they could talk to Alice. And I started getting a lot of people talking to me in third person like, oh my God, I finally get to shoot with Alice. And they're looking right at me in the eyes. And I'm like, you don't see me as a human being anymore. You see me as this celebrity figure almost. So I had to take a step back and I had to reevaluate how I felt about that because I don't want that. I don't want people to think that I'm this higher character. I, I just want to go do my job and, and make money and go home at the end of the day. Like I don't, you know, I don't want to be put in this position. But since I'm in this position, and since there are models who look up to me and stuff, maybe this is meant to be. Maybe this is where I'm meant to be in my life and I, I've earned this place for a reason. So instead of fighting that, I decided to reevaluate and I reopened the Instagram. I set everything back up. And I a part of taking everything down too was I felt like a lot of the stuff I had been through felt fake to me at that point because it was like, what am I leading up to if, if my life is just going to turn into this celebrity pedestal type of thing? So I took everything down and I had to think about it for a minute. And I did realize these are a a collection of, even if the moment was a fabricated moment where I was like traveling overseas and I posed at a, you know, with a little martini on the beach or something, those are a collection of my moments where in the bigger picture of things, I was able to get there through my career as a traveling freelance model. So I had to reevaluate and go, is this what I really want? And I decided, yes, this is. And I'm going to go full head dive in and do as much as I can to contribute to the industry because it. for some people, they do want to get to that point where they get to a celebrity recognition where they, they feel like they're a big deal and stuff. And that's fine. But overall, I want these models to feel a sense of self-peace where they, they're able to go out to these gigs and go model and feel like they're accomplishing something great for themselves. And I think that that's, that's plenty of drive for me. So I, I do think it comes from a maternal place where I'm not able to nurse anymore like I was. I, I miss my job. It was a great job, even though it was a little depressing at times and stuff. But overall, it it was a wonderful job where I got to truly add something to my community. Whereas now I just felt like I'm just modeling for myself. And I like add to each photographer's portfolio, but what bigger picture am I changing? What bigger picture am I adding to? And what change am I going to make that's going to outlive me? So that's the point I'm at right now in my growth journey as a person.
0: Hell yeah, Alice. I'm, Hell I love yeah. hearing that. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I, I do think that's a great great. Um, I love it.'m I'm, I'm amazed. I've, I've loved doing this podcast episode with you. and I'd love to have you again in the future if you want. Absolutely. I'd love to um, come back in a little bit after some of these things have taken off more.
1: And I'd love to touch back on the growth since that since this point to the new point, you know, because it seems like we yeah. so fast, even even if we follow up a year later, I'm sure so much will be progressing forward even at that point. So I'm excited yeah. to follow up later on.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast episode with me. I'll I'll be in touch and um, talk to you soon. I'll
1: talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad that I was able to share my insights and my experiences and hopefully your audience gets something out of it too.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. you have a great day, Christy. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye.